Hey there, teachers. Since you're a regular podcast listener, and I know you're committed to improving your literacy instruction, I want to make sure you know about our free private podcast, the Confident Writer System Series. This private podcast was the result of so many teachers asking me questions about how to teach writing. I'd get questions like, my schedule is already so crammed. How do you find enough time to teach writing? Or my students struggle to write complete sentences and paragraphs, yet I'm expected to get them to write a five-paragraph essay by the end of the year. Help! (laughs) So I decided to put together a five-episode private podcast series that will teach you how to teach writing in upper elementary. In this short series, you'll learn the five mistakes to avoid when teaching writing in upper elementary, simple routines that will take your students from confused to confident, and manageable ways to teach writing every day without feeling rushed. You're going to get access to a podcast workbook that is filled with freebies and writing resources. So if that sounds like something that you want, then head to stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast and sign up for this free private podcast. These episodes are only available inside the private podcast and trust me, you're not going to want to miss them. You're listening to episode number 75 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. All right. Happy Monday. Today, we are going to talk about a subject that I am just so, so passionate about, and that is standardized testing. Okay, just kidding. I actually really don't like standardized testing, as I'm sure many of you in my audience probably feel the same way. But the reality of it is that standardized testing is a part of our educational system. It is something that our students will experience, whether we like it or not. And so we want to take this opportunity this season to do our best to prepare our students to be successful on the test. And I feel like I could have an entire episode where I talk all about how ineffective standardized testing is, how it can kill students' love of reading, just all of those things. But you guys know that. You probably feel very similarly about it to how I do. So instead, today what I want to do is share with you some actual test prep strategies that you can teach your students that will hopefully ease some of their stress and anxiety and help them feel confident in taking the test. And hopefully these strategies will also help you feel confident in your students taking the test. You know, like I said, it exists. And since we can't do anything to change that circumstance this year, next year, however many years it's still going to be around, let's make the best of this sort of like standardized test situation and help our students prepare to be successful on it. So Today, I have seven really easy test prep strategies that I think you should teach your students. I am going to jump into those strategies here in a minute, but I want to let you know, first of all, I have a freebie for one of the lessons that I would love to share with you that I'm going to link to in the show notes. And then if these strategies sound like something that your students would benefit from and you want more support implementing them, I do have a test prep resource that has these strategies plus a few extra 
It is available in my TPT store that we will link to as well. It is also a part of the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership, which is currently open for enrollment, but only for a little while longer. We're going to be closing the doors to the membership in April and will not be opening them up again until the summer. So if you want to get in at this year's current price point, now is the time to jump in. So check out the show notes if these strategies sound like something that would benefit your students. Now, real quick, before I jump into sharing the strategies, I want to talk a little bit about just like test prep season and just a couple things to keep in mind. Now, first of all, when I say test prep strategies or really test taking strategies, these are actual strategies that are unique and specific to students taking standardized tests. These are not things like helping students identify the main idea of a passage with multiple choice questions. This is not like helping students learn how to compare and contrast a paired passage with multiple choice questions. Those things I would consider would fall under your actual normal reading instruction, right? So if your students are still struggling with main idea, then give them actual practice with strategies that will help them find the main idea. Don't make your entire reading instruction focus on passages and multiple choice questions. Think of your normal reading instruction and then think of test prep. And when you're doing test prep, you want to think about the strategies that will help students learn how to manipulate and interpret and pace themselves and execute the standardized test successfully because it's different. Reading and answering uh, questions on a standardized test is very different than reading a book or an article for book club. So we want to make sure our students know how to navigate the difference. Also, I did do an episode last year on test prep where I talked about this idea of teaching a standardized test as its separate genre, which I think can be really beneficial. So if you are a new podcast listener and you did not catch that episode last year, I will link to that in the show notes as well. That might be something that you want to check out. But let's go ahead and jump right in to these seven strategies that I think are going to help your students be successful on their standardized test this year. Okay, the first strategy, this is really something that you as a teacher should do, but the first thing you, that you want students to do is you want them to preview their standardized test, or really you want them to know the elements of a standardized test. More than likely, your state has released practice tests where students can see the actual format, the actual layout, practice directions. They can see the font size and the spacing, and they can just pay attention to it. And I think this is really important because on test day, you do not want your students to be surprised. You want them to really know what to expect. So the more you can preview and experience previously released practice tests, the more prepared your students are going to be. And so when you begin your test prep, I think one of the very first things you can do is talk about what the end of your test is, talk about the purpose of it, explain to students that this is a very different reading experience than anything they've had throughout the year. And more than likely, they've done some sort of standardized testing before, but just acknowledge the fact that, okay, this is not, you know, this is not a book that you're reading for book club. This is not your independent reading. While you can apply some of those same skills to the test, it is a little bit different. And then you want to make sure that they understand as many of the elements in the standardized test as possible. So things that you want to have them really pay attention to is the number of reading passages they are going to see. You know, if you know the types of genres, you know, when I taught in Texas, we knew that there was going to be informational. We knew there was going to be realistic fiction. We knew there was going to be poetry. We knew there was going to be drama. We knew there was going to be a paired passage. So the more information you can give them about the types of reading passages, the better. If they know the number of multiple choice questions, I think that can be really helpful. But even beyond the passages and the questions, 
have them understand that there's going to be a test booklet and that there's going to be an answer sheet, you know, that they can write in the test booklet, that they're going to have access to a dictionary or scratch paper, that they have to record their answers in the test booklet, that there's going to be directions at the front of the test and there's going to be directions at the start of every passage, at the top of every multiple choice section, that there's going to be a little stop sign telling them when to stop. You know, the more details that they can preview and understand, the more empowered they are going to be to feel confident that on test day, that's like, okay, I've seen this stop sign before. I know what to do when I see that. Or, okay, I I know that when I see these directions above the multiple choice questions, I have to go back to two passages or whatever it is. And so take some time and you could do it like a scavenger hunt. You could just do it as like a model. You could do it as a gallery walk. There are many ways that you could make this a little more interactive. But you want to give students an opportunity to really just like dig into and explore the test and preview everything that they're going to see. I think this is a really great thing to do at the start of your test prep season, because then if you take practice tests leading up to it, students will have an opportunity to experience and see what the test would actually look like. So the very first strategy is to make sure your students know the elements of the standardized test that are specific for your state. Okay, the next strategy is something that you can do with your students again early on in test prep season. And this is to create a pacing plan for test today. And I call this strategy pace yourself. Ultimately, what we want students to do, you know, especially if they have not had a lot of experience with timed tests, I think timed tests can give students a lot of anxiety and nerves. Even though the majority of our students will finish the test with plenty of time to spare, Just the fact that it's like this is timed can create some excessive anxiety and nerves, and we want to be able to relieve that. And so you want to help your students long before test day come up with a pacing plan. And basically what you're going to do is you need to, as a teacher, you need to know how many minutes or hours they have to take the test, and then you need to know how many passages they're probably going to see on the test. And then you're going to help your students do some math and divide and figure out basically how many minutes they can take per passage. And what I like to do is I like to start with this idea of when you are finished, I want students to have kind of a buffer time or a chance to go back and leisurely review the test, double check that they've answered every question, you know, if they've flagged anything that they need to go back to, that they have built in time. So we always talk about carving out, you know, or saving 30 to 45 minutes. I really think 30 minutes is enough, but saving 30 minutes of the whole test time for this review. So in Texas, students had four hours to test. So if we take the four hours and subtract 30 minutes, that would be for the review. Then students really have 30 or three hours and 30 minutes to go through and do the entire test. Then the next thing we would do is we would talk about how you're more than likely going to have five passages and question sets. And so then we would take the three hours and 30 minutes and divide it by the five passages and question sets. And then that tells us that they have around 42 minutes per passage and set of questions. And this can be helpful just so that we students know it's like, okay, 42 minutes is enough time for me to read a passage and to answer the questions. So knowing that they have a plan to pace themselves can prevent them from kind of two things. One, it can prevent them from running out of time if they're a slower test taker. But it can also prevent them from rushing through things. You know, I had students that would rush through their test and would finish like in an hour. And they were like, I thought I was going to run out of time. And so if they know about how much time to spend on a passage instead of questions, it can help them just not go too fast and not go too slow. 
you know, you can do the math and figure out for actual test day, this is, you know, how much time you should approximately spend. But you can also do this for any sort of practice test. You know, if you're doing shortened variations or versions of it, you can have students say, okay, you have an hour to do two passages or today we're doing, you know, half of the test, whatever it is. You could even have them do this for their math test, you know, break it up so that way they know that they're not going to run out of time. Now, I don't like to break it down into, okay, you've got, you know, five passages with eight questions. And so each question needs four minutes. I think that can be a little like too micro managing for students. Plus some questions students can answer quickly without much thought and other questions they're going to have to go back and reread and really critically think. And so I think just having the general idea of passage and question sets, I got 42 minutes per set or whatever it breaks down to for your specifics for your state is helpful enough for students. But I would definitely encourage you to create a pacing plan. It's both in the membership and in the resource on TPT, but I have not only an anchor chart, but an actual like pacing plan that has space for students to do the math. And it walks them through like, you know, converting to minutes and subtracting for the review and dividing by the passages, all of that stuff. So if you need help with that, definitely check out the resource. Okay, the next strategy is teaching students the difference between write their questions and thinking questions. When we started specifically talking about test prep and going through and answering multiple choice questions, I would teach my students that there are really two general categories of questions that they're going to see on their test. They're going to see write their questions is what I called them and thinking questions. And the write their questions are the questions that have answers that can be found in the text. The answer is literally right there in the text. And so students know that if it's a right there question, they have to go back and reread a portion of the text to figure out the answer. You know, so these types of questions are what happened after, who was responsible for, you know, according to the map at the end of paragraph two, what is, when did, you know, the very basic sort of questions. And they're definitely going to see some right there questions on the test. And we want them to know that if it is a right there question, they have to go back and find the answer in the test. They should underline it, highlight, you know, make sure that they actually have evidence to support the answer. And then the other type of question is a thinking question. And these are the questions that don't have answers directly found in the text. And students are really going to need to think in order to come up with the answer. And so students are going to have to combine text evidence. So they still are going to need to have a strong understanding of the text but they're also going to have to apply their personal knowledge, critical thinking skills, what they understand about reading comprehension, everything they've learned this year to come up with the answer. And the types of questions that they would see that would be thinking questions are questions that say, like, which example is the best summary of the selection? That is not going to be an answer that they can find back in the text. You know, what can you infer about this character? Well, if it's an inference, they're not going to have that written in the text. You know, what is the theme of this selection? Why did the author include? Those types of questions students can't find the answer to in the text. And I started to realize that this is a really important test-taking strategy because so often students hear the message, go back and reread to find the answer for the questions. That's sort of like a general test-taking term or phrase that students hear. And I remember when I taught fourth grade, I had a student that came up to me and showed me a thinking question. You know, maybe it was about author's purpose or theme. And they were like, I've reread the passage three times and I can't find the answer to this question. And it's like, obviously, you're not going to find the answer to that question back in the text because the text doesn't directly state the theme or the author's purpose. And so 
It's so important that our students realize that, yes, they're going to have to use text evidence to help them answer every single question, but some questions are also going to require them to use their own critical thinking and personal knowledge. And so a very simple thing that you can have students do is when they are going through and reading the questions, have them simply label them as RT for right there and TQ for thinking questions. And that is just a really quick visual signal that is going to help them understand that, okay, I have to either go back and I'll find the answer directly in the text, or I need to use text evidence in my own personal thinking. And this is a great thing to do even outside of like test prep, just to help students understand the different types of questions. But definitely, if you are starting your test prep unit now and teaching students test-taking strategies, this is a great one to teach them because the more practice they get with categorizing questions, the better. Okay, the next strategy that you want students to do is you want them to pay attention to word choice in the questions. And one of the things that I talk about with students is this idea of trying to think like the test creator right? So there is a test creator, a test author, somebody who actually wrote the passage and the questions and really trying to like think about, you know, what they're trying to get us to do with the questions. You know, it's important for students to understand the nuances or the meaning of certain words that are used in the multiple choice questions. And if you go ahead and as the teacher look through your specific state test, more than likely you will start to notice that there are certain words that regularly pop up in the questions. You might see most or best, you know, most often, most likely, best option, best choice, best describes. I bet you're going to see that in your test. You might see the phrase based on or according to or even something like suggests, supports, idea. These are words that students are probably going to see a lot on the test. And so we want to make sure that they really understand what these words mean. And I think it's important, especially with that first example I gave, most or best, you want students to really understand what that means, even defining what those words mean, you know, the highest quality, most excellent, and helping students understand that if they see a question that says, what is the best description of, or what is most likely the reason for, that means that there could possibly be two correct answers or, you know, partially correct answers, and they're looking for the best one. Or that might mean that like if they're answering the question on their own, they might come up with something else, but it could also possibly be correct. So most or best is not necessarily saying here's the only. They're basically saying out of these choices that we are giving you, which one is the strongest? And so helping students realize that, that they are not necessarily looking for the only correct one or the only, you know, detail that's, you know, even if they're not mentioned in the answer choices, but they're looking for the best quality the most excellent choice, you know, the best option. And I think that can be really helpful. And then another sort of phrase that I think is really important to point out to students is when students see a question that says based on, based on the text feature, you know, based on the picture of the captions, based on the map, according to paragraph number two, a lot of times these questions will direct students to a specific place in the text. And it's important for students to realize that if a question says, based on paragraph two, based on the information in paragraph six and paragraph nine, that their answer should only come from that specific location. So rather than thinking of the text as a whole or the information or the story that they read as a whole, they need to go to that specific location. So when they see based on according to, that's basically the test creator is giving them a clue where they can find the answer to that text. But sometimes students want to think, well, the entire text is about, 
And it's like, that's fine that you know what the entire text is about, but this question is saying go directly to paragraph six. So that's another phrase that I think can be important. And then even just talking about like, what do the words suggests or supports or ideas? You know, what do these words actually mean? And what is the test creator asking you to do? And a lot of times when they see the words like suggests or supports, they're looking for the evidence that connects to whatever idea or details mentioned in the question. And so just making sure that students understand the wording of the questions and really paying attention to the word choice can, I think, help students feel empowered that it's like, oh, yeah, when I see these words, I really understand how to answer those types of questions. And so this could be as simple as, you know, defining what these words mean, giving students practice when you see them in your practice test talking with students like how is this going to help you answer the questions and just really having a discussion about the word choices that the test creators use on your state's specific test. Okay, strategy number five. And this one is the strategy that I have available to you as a freebie. So if you would like to try this strategy with your students, definitely check out the show notes for a link to grab this. But this strategy is teaching students to answer the question using their own words first. And I think this is, again, a great strategy to use for any type of test, whether it's math, reading, science, social study, but it works well with reading. And what you want students to do is you want them to realize that sometimes when they read a multiple choice question and immediately look at the answer choices, the answer choices can sometimes distract or influence their thinking. And this is a great lesson to then also talk about this idea of a distractor because on a multiple choice test, oftentimes test creators will include what is called a distractor. And that is a multiple choice option that is disguised possibly as the correct answer or could, you know, distract students away from what the right answer is. And so it's this idea that it impacts or changes the way they think about the question. And so what I would teach my students to do is read the test. And then when they're at the questions, Cover up, and if they've got scratch paper, they can use scratch paper. Otherwise, just cover up the answer choices with their hand. So the only thing that they can do is read the question. You want them to read the question and then have them answer the question first using their own words. And I would even encourage students to write down their answer next to or on the paper. So that way they can see their own words and how they answered that question. And then once they've answered the question first using their own words, then they can look at the multiple choice answer options, and then they can compare their answer to the multiple choice options, and they can match or find the multiple choice answer option that matches their answer that they came up with. Basically, they're confirming their answer choice because it's like, okay, this is how I answered it, and that was answer choice B. Now, what I tell my students to do is if they answer the question using their own words and then they read the multiple choice answers and they're like, okay, well, none of these answer choices match my answer, then that is usually a good sign that they might need to go back and they might need to reread that portion of the text or, you know, the entire text or look for different evidence and reconsider what the question is asking them. Maybe rephrase how the question is asked, you know, maybe look at the keywords and the answer choices or question options and basically redo the question again because their choices should match up. And if it doesn't, then that's a sign that it's like, okay, I missed something here. I need to go back and look for whatever it is that I missed. But this is a really great strategy. And this is one that you're definitely gonna have to practice with your students because it sort of forces them to slow down. And especially if you've got students that want to rush through things. So this might be one that you would have to practice. And I should have, I guess, mentioned this at the very end, but I'll throw it in here now. You know, the same thing that applies to just in general when we're teaching strategy instruction applies to test prep strategies. So you want to teach your students all of these strategies, but ultimately you want to have them pick and choose the ones that are most helpful for them. 
you are going to have some students in your class that don't need to annotate the text at all. They don't need to cover up the answer choices at all. They can breeze through the test probably in an hour and get every single question correct. Those students don't need these strategies. But you're going to have other students that are really going to benefit from answering the questions first or coming up with a pacing plan or you know, looking for the keywords. And so basically, when we teach students the strategies, we are giving them an opportunity to practice, to explore, to try out these strategies and determine if they are helpful for them. But I would not necessarily require students to do all of these strategies on the test, but I would have them think about, does this strategy help me? Do I feel more confident when I use this strategy? Does it help me get the right answers more often? And let them decide what strategies to use. So I'll just throw that disclaimer in the middle of the episode. So, all right, moving on. Strategy number six, don't forget to bubble in. Now, I know, especially in upper elementary, you know, fourth and fifth grade, even in third grade, you're thinking students should know how to bubble in. This is not the first time they've taken a test. And so do I really need to do a lesson on teaching students how to bubble in answer choices correctly? And the answer is yes. If your students are taking a paper pencil test, it does not matter if they are third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, Seniors in high school, you want to do at least one short mini lesson. It doesn't need to take more than five to seven minutes, but you want to remind them of the rules of how to bubble in because I can promise you, I mean, I have proctored, and I'm sure you've seen it too. If you have proctored a state exam or any standardized test, you probably have seen students that turn in a answer sheet that has zero bubbles or has answer choices missing or has the stray, you know, scribbly scratchy marks or the answer choices are too light. And so You just want to make sure that you review the expectations with your students. And the thing that I always tell my students is that they could have every single answer choice correct in the test booklet, but if they cannot correctly fill out the circles, the bubble-in sheets on their answer document, then it doesn't matter because the Scantron, the computer, is not going to read their test booklet. And so they need to be meticulous. They need to be detailed. They need to check every single answer choice, and they need to make sure that their circles are you know, completely filled in, whatever the expectations are. Just make sure you go through that with your students and give them a chance to practice on some bubbles before the test, just so that way it's there. One of the things that I like to have students do is make all of the bubble mistakes before the test. And this is included in the test prep resource. But, you know, give them a set of, you know, five or six questions with pretend bubbles and have them show you the wrong way to bubble, show you all of the mistakes, the most horrible bubbling sheet that they could possibly turn in. And then have them show you the correct way just so that way, you know, it's like they can get it out of their system. They think it's funny to like make mistakes on the bubble and sheet. And then they can prove to you that, yes, I know how to fill in the circles correctly. So definitely do at least one short little lesson on how to fill in bubbles correctly on an answer sheet. And then strategy number seven is teaching your students how to give themselves a pep talk for confidence. And I think this one might be the most important because at the end of the day, we want to make sure our students are constantly And this is not even just for standardized testing, but we want to make sure our students understand and know how to provide themselves with positive self-talk. They need to be their biggest cheerleaders. And, you know, especially with the pressures of state testing, the unfortunate thing is you are going to have students in your class that have severe test anxiety. And I think about, you know, students that I had in fourth grade, every single year I taught fourth grade, I had a handful of students that would get so nervous about the test that they would have a stomach ache or that they would, you know, start crying anytime we talked about standardized testing, which I think is like one of the main reasons, obviously, why we need to get rid of it. But as long as we have it, we want to make sure that our students have the tools and the language and the positive affirmations that they can share with themselves, that they can share with each other leading up to test day. And so one of the things that you can do, and this might not be a bad idea to do even earlier on in your test prep season, is do a lesson on how to give yourselves a pep talk. 
if students are feeling nervous, if they're feeling unconfident, if they're feeling, you know, whatever negative emotion is, teach them how to give themselves a pep talk. Talk about what a pep talk is and then brainstorm positive phrases or sayings or mantras or, you know, inspirational quotes, whatever it is that are really going to resonate with your students. And a couple of things that you could do is just have an anchor chart and let students brainstorm positive things that they could say to themselves as they prepare for the test and take the test. And then let students borrow that language and either write themselves a letter that they could read on test day or teach students that they can write, you know, little notes to themselves on the test. So on actual test day, on their test booklet, they could write, you know, you know how to work hard or you're doing great or you're an excellent reader or I'm so proud of you, whatever it is. Teach them that they can give themselves a pep talk in the middle of the test if they're feeling nervous. So I know it can be tempting to focus all on, you know, those other strategies, breaking down questions and knowing how to find their answers and collecting text evidence. But don't forget to also teach your students how to give themselves a pep talk during standardized testing. Okay, so those are seven strategies that I would encourage you to teach your students during this test prep season. And you can teach test prep strategies in the same way that you teach all of your other concepts you know, introduce one strategy at a time, use an anchor chart to introduce it, model what it looks like and give your students a chance to practice it. If you want to grab that free sample, definitely check out the show notes. And also if you're interested in grabbing these seven lessons plus eight more, there are a total of 15 test prep strategies that are included in that TPT resource, which is also linked in the show notes. And I hope that you and your students just are so proud of all the hard work that you have put in this year. And regardless of what happens on the standardized test, just know that you are creating a group of students that are going to fall in love with reading because of all of your efforts this past year. So let me just celebrate your hard work and hope you guys have a wonderful week. I will see you back here next Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week. 